If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Good morning. Got the youth section over here. Can I hear from the youth? Got to know where they're at at all times. We got them roped in. Well, hey, thanks, Greg and Abby. It's, it's great to be an afterthought. And so, um, <laughs> it's good to watch those videos, isn't it, to be reminded of, of what it is why we do what we do. I mean, it, it just it, it encapsulates, um, because it's so easy for us, you know, as Jubilee has has moved on, and it's so easy to get caught up in ourselves and even just kind of taking care of business and week in and week out and Sundays and community groups and those kinds of things. And there's this massive uh, gravitational pull to, to go inward. That's true for an individual. That's true for a church. Uh, and, the, and the larger we get, uh, the, harder that, the harder that we feel that pull. So it's good to be freshly, freshly reminded of why we're here for. And so this morning, I want to quickly share uh, the vision of something called Next that we launched two years ago. Uh, and Next was a corporate response uh, to the opportunities that God has out in front of us and never get into this settling mode. But I first want to give a little bit of biblical framework. So let me, sh- let me show you this out of Ephesians 2, 10. This is a fairly popular verse. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. And as uh, individuals and, and as a church, uh, God has uniquely designed us to, to walk in good works, uh, you know, making disciples, planting churches, growing churches, serving the poor. Uh, now, to be clear, we're not saved by doing those works, right? So we don't want to confuse anyone. We don't, we don't get out, hey, we got to get out there so God will be happy with us. So it's not, we're not saved by good works, but we are saved Two good works. It's the reason why we exist. It's kind of what, you know, when you, my mom came up here and she's talking, she's talking about, man, I've, I was made for a purpose. You were made for a purpose. It's more than just being healthy. God has really good things for us to do. And it's our purpose and it's, it's the pursuit of them that we will, we will begin to experience the fulfillment of joy that God has for us. That's why he saved us. It's why we're still here. We are saved, for these, saved to these good works before the world ever began, before the world, before this church ever began, before the foundation of the world, he was thinking just about you. So it says that we are his workmanship, masterpiece. He thought about, you know, there's going to be a group that gathered in South City in some old funeral home. There's going to be a group that meets out in suburban Kirkwood at some middle school. He knew about these things and he was conspiring. He was planning. He was organizing for us to walk in these good works. It's why we exist. He, you were created for a good purpose. We were created for a good purpose. Now, uh, this was always in, in the plan. This was a plan before uh, Genesis 3 rolled around. This is a plan. But what happened is you and I did not want that plan. We did not want to be um, a part of his purpose. We wanted our own purpose. Now, the good news, if you read the beginning part of chapter 2, he saved us from all that out of his rich mercy and love and grace. He made us alive through the suffering on the cross, through his resurrection, all the great things we've been singing about this morning. He paid the penalty for our sin and he redeemed us. And guess what? He restored us back to this. So this was always his plan. We rejected that plan. 
He paid the price to redeem us and to restore us back to go, okay, let's now go do those things. Now, my suggestion, my contention is we don't keep rejecting what we already rejected, but understand there's a purpose for us. Let's be the kind of people that Hebrews 12 describes who lays everything aside, sin, weight, schedules, whatever it is, so that we can run with endurance by keeping our eyes on Jesus, not keeping our eyes on our agendas, our careers, our own interests, but to keep our eyes on him and to walk in the good works that he has for us. And so as elders, as leaders, our our responsibility is to both help you as an individual and help us as a corporate community together to walk in those good works, to, to point the way, to, to, to teach what the Bible has to say and to cast a vision so we can move forward. And that, gives, that, that includes giving care to current opportunities, but always looking ahead to future opportunities. So we wanna, we wanna take care of where we're doing now, but also discern what does God have for us next? What does God have for us next. So taking care of the good works he has put in front of us today while anticipating the good works he would have for us tomorrow. And that's where the, the next initiative came from two years ago. Uh, we are getting ready to celebrate uh, 20 years, which again was a celebration, but was also uh, a warning because this is about the time where churches begin to kind of uh, be about themselves. And so uh, we, as we were planning all the amazing things, you know, celebrating the past 20 years, we just felt, hey, we're giving attention to what God has done and is doing, but man, we have to make sure that we're giving attention to what God is going to do next. And so we prayed, we sought God, and what came of that was next. Now, in your bulletin, you'll see a couple things. Oh, you see a lot of couple, more than a couple. Um, but one of those things is uh, you'll see this next brand of material. One of them is called uh, a commitment card. The other one just kind of explains what this is all about, and it had to do with uh, facilities, uh, not because we're in love with facilities, but because we want to create spaces for more people to meet Jesus. We want to create spaces in particular uh, for our young people and our youth. Um, we wanted to, to move more deeply into serving the marginalized, and one of the big ways that that played out is creating money for adoptive families. We want to we want to set more, keep setting money aside for church planting, uh, and so we're going to talk about that. And so what we're going to do, myself and others, over the next uh, 15, 20 minutes, are just going to report a bit on what's happened and what's done. And what, I'm going to start with the money. Uh, we'll start with the numbers. Um, and so uh, two years ago, 147 households committed. million, right? Now, the good news is they didn't like leave the country. They stuck around. And so far, uh, the the money that's come in toward this is $848,000, you know, $340, $848. So just so you know, we've got about 13 months ago. So we're about at 93%. So the the trajectory we're on is to receive about 93% of what was committed, which we're in school. That was like an A, right? Any here do 93% in school? No, not many. Well, so we're, do, we're doing pretty well. So 93%. Uh, now, let me show you how we, we had allocated that. Man, I wish... Is there any way to scoot that up by chance? If not, don't worry about it. Um, I'll, I'll, this is all out. By the way, we've got a bunch of displays. If you didn't get a chance to see all that stuff, this is out there. 
Uh, but we, we, we want to set aside a total of 50000 for the adoption fund. We've set aside twenty five dollars so far. We want to set aside a total of 150000 for the church planning. We've set aside fifty dollars so far. And uh, we'll hear specifically about both those soon. Facility improvements, the facilities we already have uh, in the city, uh, in Washington, the lake, set aside $110,000. we have spent eighty-two grand so far. And then a, here's the big ticket item, a million dollars setting aside for a Sunset Hills building. Uh, we've set aside $690,000 for that and, and got a bit to go. And then there's some unallocated money just in case not all of it uh, comes in. Now, here's what I'm gonna do first. I'm gonna take you through uh, some of the, the building renderings of what that's going to look like. Again, you can go out there and, and see it in the hallway. The guy, uh, our design team did an amazing job of putting all it together, the architects. So well done to them. So this is what the, the outside of the building, this would be facing uh, east towards St. Louis. Um, and then here's a bit of the floor plan. Let me show you this. So this is the uh, phase one. Uh, auditorium, kids' classes over there in the yellow, uh, multi-purpose slash youth slash kids if we need it. If we, there's more, we can't fit them all there. Can you go back there real quick? Sorry. The lobby. Okay, now you can go. Um, <laughs> actually, this is just a 3D version of what we just saw. And I'll, I'll show you this later, but all of this, this first phase, the construction is going to cost about two and a half million dollars. But so let's take a closer look what we're we getting. This is, a, this is a view of the lobby. So if you're walking in, this would be looking to the south. That's a, like an info area. And to the right, you'll see the auditorium. Um, there's some kids check-in stuff there. Here's going back the, the, the opposite way uh, toward the, um, nor the north. Yeah. And then that orange is kind of back where the kids area is. Um, we can go to the next slide. I'm probably in somebody's way. This is the auditorium. This is you facing the auditorium. Um, it was, again, some holograms. Um, we believe in a, a, a physical resurrection, but <laughs> just to be clear, this is a kid's area. So this is the check-in area to go back into the kids. Uh, we go to the next slide here. Uh, this is uh, the uh, nursery, and on the other side is a, a toddler's, but this is kind of what that's going to look like, and there's a bathroom there behind that door. Here's one of the kids' area, one of the larger areas for... Uh, or pre-K to, to do all the things that they need to do. And by the way, these are, these are our best ideas at the moment. Uh, by the time we get to some of these finishes, some things could change. I think you get that, but it's worth, it's worth noting. Um, this is going to be kind of the youth room multi-purpose area here. It's set up for youth. There's foosball and, and um, you're supposed to be sitting over there. We got a runner, guys. Ushers, can we get, can we get this guy? And then this is to be set up for like, uh, you know, doing the growth track, which again, um, which Abby and Greg talked to us about that. And then I think we have some more here. Um, okay, so now this is moving on to, to phase two. This would be a second floor. Um, and uh, this second floor, so the first floor is, is 12,200 square feet. And this will be 50, this would be an additional 5,800 square feet, which will cost us about a million dollars to do, which I'll explain that in a bit. And so the, the advantage that this will do, when we get into the space, it's going to serve all of our needs. This is allow us going to have not just more space, but better space, uh, better space for the youth as they continue to grow. Um, 
and uh, and then just we you know just we'll have just more classrooms. We'll give uh, more thought to that as we get closer to being able to really build out that. But again, that could be a few years away, depending on how things go here. But you know the you know game rooms and teacher lounges and and maybe some midweek space and there's a bathroom and stuff up there. So that's an idea what that would look like. And then let me just show you. We do have some thoughts on what we would do to so if the 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 current multi-purpose room slash youth room, we would knock down some walls and open it up to make it an extended foyer. One of the, one of the areas in the beginning that will be probably a little bit cramped or the most cramped would be the foyer. And this would just create more seating space and, you know, there's coffee people and, you know, this guy's so happy. He's taking a picture. He's so impressed with it. <laughs> and that's kind of a look back into, into the auditorium. And uh, this might be it. It's not it. So this is just a look back the other way, and then I think this is it. Is this it? Okay, so phase one cost. I, can I get a round of applause for... <laughs> phase one costs. Um, this is, these are, of course, rounded numbers. About $2.5 million dollars. Uh, phase two costs, like I said, is another million dollars. I'm sh- what, what does that equal, youth guys? How much? Okay, three point. Good point. Good point. Three point. You got that kid's gonna go far. Uh, three. Three point five million dollars. Um, so where we're at right now in, turn our, in terms of our financial capacity, I won't go through all the details, but in terms of like how much money we have saved up, how much we expect to get through next, and, and our borrowing capacity, our total financial capacity is $3,067,710.37, but it would not fit on the PowerPoint. So, so we are going, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, for sure, of course, build phase one, and we're going... Phase two, we're going to try to build uh, the, at least the exterior shell of the second floor. So it would be built up, but there wouldn't be, you couldn't go up there. Um, you know, it just, you know, there wouldn't even be steps up there, I don't think. But um, right now, the way it looks is that we're going to be about 50000 excuse me, $500,000 short of doing the entire uh, project, but we'll be able to do phase one and we'll be able to uh, do half of phase two so we can at least get the exterior. Uh, we still have some, get some exact bids, so some of this stuff can change, uh, but we wanted to have a, a pretty good idea of where we're at. Now, uh, I'll talk about this uh, a bit um, later, but that could change. Um, so this is at least what we're going to do, uh, but that could change. I know that uh, we have more than 147 families in the church, uh, we have two or three times that. Um, and it could be that in this next year, as we're building, some would lay it on your heart uh, to give to this that haven't give, or maybe you have given, you just want to give more. That's not a pressure appeal because we're, I'll explain this in a minute. We're, we're comfortable with what God's doing. We're comfortable with where we're at. But this is an opportunity. And I know several have come up to me uh, in this past year, and it's like, oh man, we should build this bigger. I'm like, that's a great idea. You and I should have a conversation. This is that conversation. You have an opportunity to vote. 
very soon. But it, when all this is said and done, we're going to have, this is good, we'll have about 42% equity in this. So we are going to borrow some money, but we're not going to, to go crazy with it, um, even if the bank would let us, which they won't let us. But um, so now I'm going to talk about a little bit about some of this stuff that's been happening at the other locations, particularly the city in Washington. So we, can we show some of these facilities? This used to be uh, the outside of our Washington uh, location, which there's a very, very busy road that that sits on. And um, it, was, it was a difficult sell to, have, to get people to, to come in, seeing on the outside. And I, it is important. People, I, you would never make this decision because you love Jubilee Church and it's not about what's on the outside. It's about what's on the, the inside, except if you're not in the inside yet, then it is about what's on the outside. And so we changed the outside. And now it looks like that. And it happened about that quick. Uh, and then uh, we did some more work in Washington. They had, we updated their uh, auditorium. And so this is what it looks like now. I, I can appreciate that you may not see. You could see it, get a close-up look with all this stuff. Yeah, go ahead and clap. I'll talk over you. You can get a closer look at this stuff outside. Don't ever, if you ever have the urge to clap or to respond... Please don't ever not do that. Okay, now we have some more for you. I think this is from this. Oh, this, this is a soundboard for those who care about soundboards. And they didn't have proper heating and air conditioning, and it was a mess, and, and we got them um, heating and air conditioning in a room. Um, anyway. Uh, now let's show some stuff that happened in the city. Uh, this, was a, this was just an outdated, you know, we moved into the building. We just kind of threw some stuff up and put it together. And we, we did a, a, and we, plus, our, as you can, if you guys know about technology, no one, do you, want, do you watch a square TV anymore? Anybody have a square TV? No one has a square. Well, we had square TVs on the side. And so we needed to update those. And now this is what it looks like for those who aren't in the city. We've got a nice little presentation. And, um, and this, is, this was the old nursing mother's room, and now it looks like this. Oh, that is the new one. Is it? That's a different. I have a bad angle. I have a bad angle from up here. This is the brand new nursing mother's room. And this is a better, this is a better angle of the nursing mother's room. Can we, can we show the other angle, please? The one I'm familiar with. Do we not have that? Are you serious? Oh, man. It's out there, though. I promise you, if you go out there. All right, let's move on. What, do we, what else do we... Is, do we have the kids' uh, rooms? No J kids rooms. No, I'm getting this signal, which means move on. Okay. <laughs> so we we have we're not just about facilities, but that was a big. I know that's a big ticket money item, just because they're expensive. Uh, but we've we're we're this is a, about way more than that. And one of those things um, is adoptive families. We wanted to really go after. 
different group, marginalized groups, and we wanted, to, we wanted to help come behind those who'd want to adopt. If there's anyone who wanted to adopt or foster care, we want to be the kind of church that where they feel that support uh, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. And so I just want to show a quick uh, thank you video, and then uh, Dave and Dylan will be up here to share some more stuff with us. Hi, Jubilee family, Lissy and Jordan, and baby Ava here. We just wanted to say a special thank you to everyone who participated in the Next Initiative and um, just to help bring Ava home. Yes, she is almost a year and a half now, and we are loving it. We're so thankful to be a part of this wonderful church family. We just want to say a massive thank you, and we love you. Hi, I'm Ethan. Hi, I'm Erin. Hi, I'm Becky. Hi, I'm Joe, and this is uh, Brayden. You gonna look? Okay, maybe not. And we're the Geigers, and I uh, just wanted to say that the Jubilee Church, through this adoption and fostering, has really just been on our side through it thick and thin, and we really appreciate it and love everybody who has helped us out and the whole church family. Thank you, guys. Hi, Jubilee family. Andy, Liza, Joshua, and Lydia Koski here. Just wanted to say thank you so much for the way you guys have championed the cause of adoption and specifically how you guys have loved and supported us as a family. We really love and appreciate you guys. Hi, Jubilee family. We are the Coopers. I'm Jeremiah. This is my wife, Melody. And this is our son, Jackson. Jackson, say hello. Say hi. (laughs) We go to Jubilee in the city and we recently adopted. Jackson is almost one years old. And he's been such a true blessing in our life. We want to thank our Jubilee family for all your love, support, and prayers through this process. We have felt so well supported and loved. And we know that um, the gift of adoption is so wonderful. We've seen God's goodness in so many ways through this. So again, we want to thank you for all of your support. Hi, everyone. We're the Fannings, Andy. And Nicole. And Nico Fanning, <laughs> and we're so happy to be part of a Jubilee family who supports adoption. Say bye. bye. Hi, Jubilee family. This is the Cousins family. This is 23-month-old Sophia Rose Cousins, and this is five-week-old Tia Rose Cousins. And we thank you, Jubilee, for being a huge part of the adoption process for us. We are so grateful for all of you guys. We love you all. We thank you for the love and support you've shown us through our journey. And we're so happy, so happy to have adopted two little ones. And the lights again. So good, so excited to just see what God has done. And uh, these families are... Uh, Just a little glimpse of what God has been doing, something God's been stirring up at Jubilee. But just to say, this is uh, not the end. Next, this three years of next for this ministry of adopting, this this ministry of the father heart of God. I mean, Psalm 68 tells us that God is a father to the fatherless. So like when, when God writes his business card, that's the subtitle he puts that he says, you introduce me like this. I'm a father to the fatherless. And, and this is something God is stirring up among, among us. And we just want to say that, that this three years is, is not the end. It's like a launch pad into something that we believe God wants to do over and over and over and over and over again at Jubilee Church. And 
uh, we, we just believe that God may stir up the hearts of dozens, maybe even hundreds of families at Jubilee to foster and adopt. And so we just want to be praying and be seeking God for this because it's in his heart, but, but also because there's an incredible need for this, for this ministry. Yeah, there, uh, the need is far, far from met, and I'm so happy and excited. I've had so many conversations with people leaning into this, but here's just some stats, some pretty staggering stats. There are 140 million orphans in the world today. In the U.S. alone, there's over 400,000 children in foster care, which means if we took all those children and we filled Bush Stadium with it, we could do that 10 times over with the kids that need a home. Nearly 14,000 in foster care in Missouri, 1,693 children in foster care in St. Louis, 1,700 children in our city who don't have a family to call their own. And every year, 30,000 of these kids age out of the foster system. Every year, 30,000 kids age into adulthood, many of them not having a place to call home or a family to go to. So the need for this is just insurmountable. But we have a big God. We do. And if, if you want to read more about the Foster and Adopting Ministry Jubilee Church, uh, out there in the lobby, you can read all up on that. You can get resources on that. You can get connected to a group that is supporting those who are considering this and those who have done this. We know that uh, some of you have already taken this step. And, uh, but what we want to do today is not just provide information, but we actually want to get around you if, if you're one of those families or one of those individuals. And so we just love to pray for you. And so if you have fostered or adopted already, would you stand and hold your applause and, and your prayers. Just if you have already, would you stand? And, and please stay standing, because we're going to pray for you here in a moment. If you're, hold your applause, hold your applause. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. I know what Let Brian said, but. Let him clap. Stay standing. You stay joyfully standing. disobedient people. Okay. <laughs> Will you stay standing? Those of you who have fostered or adopted, we want to pray for you here in a moment. If you're considering fostering or adopting, like this is something on your heart, maybe you've already been in process, maybe you're already taking steps that direction, would you stand as well and stay standing? And then also, if, if maybe you're in the camp, which I, I have a hunch that maybe this is the majority, if you're in the camp of you've thought about this, like maybe this is a thought in the back of your head that you've not even processed much or something that just kind of pricks your heart every now and then and, and you wonder, is this something God would have me do? But, but you've not pursued it. You're not in process, but it's just kind of back there. And it may feel really premature to stand and receive prayer for this, but we just want to pray for you while you're in the process of discerning, would God have me do this? If that's you, would you stand as well? And if you're around one of these who are standing, any of these who are standing, um, so let them all stand first. If you're around them, would you just kind of note them in the room and stand up with them and extend a hand of prayer to them? Jordan and Lissy, who have adopted already and are beginning to help us in the process of helping others adopt and foster, they're just going to pray for you as you gather around them and pray. Yeah. He's got a mic. Yeah, let's just, uh, let's just close our eyes. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the men and women in this room that have gone before us and set the example and obedience to you and have already taken that step to welcome a child into their family. Uh, what an amazing picture of the gospel, Lord, of what we're all a part of uh, with you through Jesus, Lord. We just thank you for that example, and I pray for each and every 
uh, individual in this room that is considering it, considering taking those steps of faith, Lord, I, I pray that they would be reassured that they have God supporting them at their back, Lord, that, that uh, Lord, what you promise, what you call us into, Lord, you provide. There is no end to your provision, Lord. You give us what we need uh, to take these giant steps of faith, uh, Lord. And, and, and I pray for those that are just on the, on the fence. Maybe just, just have that in the back of their minds, Lord. I pray that you would guide them, that you would speak to them, that your Holy Spirit would confirm things in their heart if this is the path that you have for them to take, Lord. I just pray that your voice would be clear, uh, Lord, that there be no doubt in their minds, Lord, of, of, of the direction and the calling that you placed on their life, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Yeah, I wanted to pray for actually us as a church. Um, God, I thank you that you are a God of redemption. And God, I pray that, um, God, that, that Jubilee would be a part of these statistics going down drastically, Lord. That's our prayer this morning. God, burden our hearts on how you might, us, how you might have us be a part um, in this. And I just I wanted to um, pray this scripture over us in Psalms. It says, Israel, or Jubilee, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. So Lord, we put our hope in you. And we just recognize that you are, you are the answer and, and we just want to be a part of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can, you can find your seats again. Thank you so much. I'm going to invite up Ellie Sanazaro um, as we uh, look forward to more ministry and better ministry. Um, God has been just speaking to Ellie and putting something on her heart. And so I've just asked her to come and share what God's doing. Hi, everybody. Hi, I'm Ellie Sinazero, um, and I'm really excited to get to share with you today just what God has been doing in my own heart, but also in the life of our church as we seek to together better serve the marginalized and the forgotten in our city. Um, so three years ago, God started to really lay the special needs community on my heart. And so I started to wonder, how can we as a church really be serving these individuals better? Um, so I started researching. And when I did that, I found some really uh, saddening statistics. I discovered that 80% of families who have a child with special needs do not attend church. Man, I told David I wasn't going to cry. <laughs> um, and oftentimes because they can't. Most children's programs in churches are not uh, designed uh, to support children with special needs in their classrooms. And so families just stay home on Sundays. And this leads many of them to feel really isolated and like they don't have a supportive community who they can lean on. Um, so just to give you a picture of what this need looks like in our community, in the two school districts surrounding uh, Jubilee Kirkwood, there were 1,966 students who received services through special school district in 2018. It's a lot of kids. Um, and in the same area, when I did a Google search, I found that there were 54 churches that popped up on Google Maps, and only two out of these 54 churches had a ministry designed to serve individuals with special needs. So two out of 54, this is a really largely um, unreached population right in our backyards. So our vision is that Jubilee would become a church that has a reputation throughout St. Louis um, and even beyond as being a church where children of all abilities can come, they'll be welcomed in, they'll be invited to engage in church life and experience the gospel in our J-Kids classrooms 
all while receiving the support that they need to thrive. So I would like uh, I would like to invite you to pray um, with us. Pray for these families who are in our communities, and just pray for us as a church as we um, prepare to launch a special needs ministry later this year. Just that we really would become the church that surrounds these kiddos and their families with love and support. Thank you. Another area of uh, ministry to the marginalized that we're just beginning to see uh, happen at Jubilee, but it's a massive open door for the gospel, is the ministry to the refugees and, uh, in our city. And St. Louis has always been a landing spot for refugees. Over 100,000 Bosnian immigrants came in the early 90s when the Bosnian War was happening and found refuge in St. Louis. But every year, hundreds more from uh, dozens of different countries come and land in St. Louis. And uh, through an open door, through a uh, ministry called Oasis International, uh, we actually have the opportunity to partner with refugees. Over 700 refugees in St. Louis are currently on a waiting list saying, I want an American to befriend me. I want them to come and be my friend and teach me American culture. And uh, this ministry has partnered with actually the, the, the organization that lands every single refugee in St. Louis. And they've said, as much as you want to come in, you can do ministry with us. And so this family uh, is a family that one of the couples in our St. Louis City location is befriending right now and loving for and praying for and sharing the good news of Jesus with. And so we just want to ask you, as, as some begin to engage this ministry and we press more into this, would you please pray for the refugees in our city and pray for us as a church that that God would use us, as it says in Deuteronomy chapter 10, to love the sojourner with the love of God. We want to we we invite our youth up and our youth leaders up on stage with us. Can you guys come, come up here up. with us? Come on up. Get them all up here. <clears throat> Make some room. Make some room. Come on up, guys. Don't be shy. <laughs> as they're coming, uh, as they are coming up here, um, the Bible says that, that youth are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. And as you can see, God's given us a lot of arrows. And um, we just want to take a moment uh, to pray for these guys, to pray for uh, these young men and women, to pray for our youth leaders. And I just want to actually just invite you. Can you go ahead and stand with me and just agree? We want to pray a blessing over each and every one of them. Come on, just fill in here, guys. Just pack the front out. Come on. Come on in. There you go. Go all the way across. Wasn't prepared for this. Come on. Hey, one of the things that just um, as uh, just one of the church leaders here, I mean, we just want to say to you, youth, we just truly and deeply believe that God has great things for each and every one of you. And we want you to feel the support of your church, the love of your church, the love of your leaders. Um, we're so blessed by the, 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 the men and women who are investing in these kids. We're so blessed to have the gifts that God has, has given us. And um, yeah, we just, God's got great things for you. So we're just gonna pray. I'm gonna, we're gonna pray for these guys. You guys can just, if you wanna extend your hand, just, just agree with us as we pray for them. Lord God, we just pray 
for these youth, Lord. We thank you for each and every single one of them, God. We thank you, Lord, that you know each and every one by name. You know every hair on their head. You know every intimate detail in their life, God. And Lord, your word says that you have set them apart for good works, that you are their Father in heaven who loves them, who accepts them, who makes them righteous, God. And we just know, God, we, we look at scripture. We see King David who slayed Goliath when he was 16, 17 years old. God, Mary, Mary was likely a young teenager when she gave birth to the Savior of the world. God, what can you do? Actually, what can't you do through each and every one of these, of these young men and women before us, God? We just pray that you bless them, that you bless them in Jesus' name. Do it, God. I, I, I'd actually just like to, for all the, I've got two youth, and just for those of us, uh, who have uh, who are fathers of those who are youth, but also I just want to encourage uh, the men in the church to be fatherly toward all of these youth. And one of the things that we read about Job is that every morning he would get up and pray for his kids. And it said, and he he would say in his heart, perhaps one of my kids have sinned. Now sin doesn't just mean doing something bad; it includes that, but just basically missing the mark of what God would have for them. And there's a lot coming at these kids. And I just want to encourage, challenge the fathers, to make it a daily practice uh, to get up every morning and pray. And I'm going to pray. Father, we just thank you for these gifts. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that they would, you would continue to unite their heart to yours. I pray you would unite their heart uh, to this people. And we just want to pray for them and bless them as they go out into the world. Lord, I just pray you bless them and keep them. Lord, it says, dude, Lord, I just pray that they would stay in your love. They'd stay in your love. And we're praying for them and encouraging them to run with us as we go after all the things you have for us as a church. In your name, amen. I'm gonna ask you to join me in prayer again here in just a moment. Uh, seeing all of our youth up here is impactful for me to see a stage full, but then to think about the fact that there are thousands of youth throughout our city and the county that don't know God, that haven't been raised in a Christian home. And uh, we've had the opportunity through a ministry called Young Life, uh, and actually Darren Young and his wife Charlene, who young, lead Young Life, um, have opened the door to their ministry to us saying, come on in and help us to reach youth in the city. And so this is their crew. They have 40 to 60 youth that gather every Monday night in South City, and uh, they're reaching youth all over the city, and they've, they've opened another Young Life Club, getting ready to open that up right down the street from our South City location. So if you would join me in just praying that God use the people of Jubilee and move upon our hearts to engage this ministry in a big way so that we can see hundreds of youth throughout our city, throughout the county that come to know the love of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this massive opportunity both to minister to and bless and raise up a generation among us, but also to reach those who don't even know you yet, who aren't in homes that know the Lord. God, we pray, would you send out person after person after person from our community to reach these youth and to bring them into the family of God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can clap. <laughs> hey, one of our dreams through Next was to be able to start new locations and new churches and we've allocated, we're looking for more than $150,000 to church planting. And hey, get check this out. We're giving 
$50,000 of that church planting money um, to help support uh, a group and one of our confluence leaders to start a church in San Francisco. We've got a video of Tom Shaw. Some of you may know Tom Shaw, but man, he's, a, he's an amazing, gifted man of God. He's got a family. They've moved to San Francisco. They're going to be planting uh, this church called Sanctuary, and so we're going to hear from him now. Jubilee Church. Greetings from San Francisco. Tom Shaw here. I have the joy of leading the uh, sanctuary church plant into this great city. And man, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Brian recently told me of your staggeringly generous financial gift that you recently took up to help us, uh, the Shaw family, and all of those who have already said yes to being part of Sanctuary Church Plant here in San Francisco. I mean, we all know um, that to plant in a city like this is going to require a massive team effort. And I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for, in effect, you saying, I want to be part of that team. By you giving, as you have done, you are enabling the establishing of what I truly believe will be a mighty, globally-minded, multiplying, apostolic base, a juggernaut church, right here in one of the most influential cities on planet Earth. You guys are genuinely helping, crucially, to make that happen. Thank you so much. We would have showed you more, but I think he had to change his batteries. And so he's uh, mildly enthusiastic and encouraging. My wife and I had the opportunity uh, earlier in the year to, to go out to San Francisco and to be with uh, uh, Tom and his, his uh, family and uh, the church plant and to see the city uh, and, to, and to meet people. And it's just a really exciting thing. And it's good to be behind them. It's going to go well. In fact, I would just say this. Um, I don't want us just to be the, the church that gives them money. I, I want to invite you to continue to pray. And as you come to our prayer meetings, it'll be a prayer item for sure. Uh, but also, if you know anybody uh, in San Francisco who might be uh, warm to a church getting started, please let us know. We would love to uh, pass that along to him. And even if they're not warm to a church plant, Tom has the kind of personality uh, that will, uh, you know, make him warm. And so... Well, I, I had kind of a part one of a message, and I want to do uh, this part two here real quick. And we started, we talked about how God in Christ Jesus has created us to do good works. If we were to go to Matthew 28 to talk about the Great Commission, we would see how God has given us the authority to do good works. But I want to just talk to you really quick about how God has also given us the, the resources to do good works. So I'm going to read to you out of 2 Corinthians 9. Uh, six to eight, It'll be up here on the screen. Uh, this Paul writes, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things and all times, you may abound in every good work. And there's just a few things I want to say out of this. First of all, a little bit about sowing reaping. If we want to be a church that reaps a lot, right? Like we love the stories. We want, it's encouraging. We have to be the kind of church that also sows a lot. If we want to reap a lot. We have to sow a lot. Pretty simple. God's mathematics, though, are a little bit different. 
than ours. He, his math works this way. The best way to increase the sum is to subtract from it. And it doesn't make any sense to us because we think the more, um, or excuse me, the less that we give, the more that we have. And God says, that's not the way it works. In my kingdom, the more you give, the more that you'll have. Now, I know that seems odd. That's why he gives us a harvest analogy. That's why he says, if you, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. So yes, initially, uh, you'll have less seed, but it will produce a harvest uh, in your life, a uh, harvest of joy in your life and in the life to come. Just like a farmer initially in the spring decreases his seed. He goes out and he sows everything. He didn't have anything. But in the hope that later and greater, it will multiply in a harvest for him. Every farmer knows that in one seed is the potential for much, much more. That's why every farmer wants to sow as much seed as they possibly can. And God is saying to this, like, man, you guys need to be the kind of people who sow as much as you possibly can, because in, in every time you do that, the potential is much, much more. So that's one thing he says. But then the second thing, he said, well, for, let me just say this. So that means anytime there's an opportunity um, uh, to, to contribute, that should never, ever be to a threat to us. Like if we really absorb what this text is saying, we'll never, ever be threatened by an invitation to give. It's like an invitation to a farmer. Hey, would you like to plant some seed? It's that kind of a deal. So the second thing, though, uh, we see in this passage talks about joy and not compulsion, that God is after our joy and not our money when it comes to resourcing what he wants to resource. The conversion of our hearts leads to a conversion of our attitude toward money, not being reluctant givers, but cheerful givers. And if we're not uh, cheerful... Um, it, we kind of like miss the point in all of it. It's like, you know, if, 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 if I was to, on her birthday, if I was to go to my wife and say, well, it's your birthday. I guess I'll, I'll, guess I'll give you these flowers. You know, what else do you want from me? And if that would, I would be missing the point and I would be doing what I'm doing now, which is walking away from her because that's what would happen. God loves it when his children give, but, but the point isn't that you give. The point is that you, that you capture his heart because he is a giver. He's not a taker from us. He's a giver. For God so loved the Lord that he gave to us his only son. But finally, I want us to see the immensity of God's grace. God's grace is flowing down from heaven in two ways. One way he's flowing down from heaven, he promises two things. One is that you will have a sufficiency for all that you need. That's what it says there. It says God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you're having an all-sufficiency in all things in all times. That's four alls. He wants us to know that he, he's, the grace is flowing to always give you what you need. But then he, the second thing it does is that so that you'll have an abundance for every good work so that you may abound in every good work. This is the clearest definition for me and all of the Bible for the meaning of wealth. If you've ever wanted to know why you have money it's not because you're awesome. It's not because you're smarter. It's not because you went to school. It's not because of any of those things. It's because of this. It's because God has given you more than you. He's given you a sufficiency for you, and he gives you more than you need for every good work. In America, you almost certainly have more than you need. You almost certainly, even if, you, you don't, if you're homeless, but you have clothes on your back and you ate a meal today, you are wealthy compared to most of the world. 
And the more mature you are, the more that you'll realize that you have more than you need. See, see, Jesus compared, he said that you cannot serve God in money. So the more that you think, I need money, I'm, I don't have enough, I need more, you, you, your, need, your awareness for your need for God goes down. But the more you realize, oh my gosh, what I really need is God, your, 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 your need for money will go down and you'll realize that you'll have more than enough. So this is an issue of maturity and we're all in different places of maturity. But what the point is, is that as we become aware that, man, we'd have more than we need, the purpose for that is for every good work. I'll say it this way. So God has provided, God has provided sufficiency for you. He's going to take care of you, but he's also given you more than you need. He's given you abundance for every good work. In other words, there is no good work for which God has called the church that he hasn't already provided the resource for. It's just a matter of you and I letting it go. He's given it to us. He, he's created you uniquely. He's created us uniquely for good works. He has given us authority to walk in those good works, and he's given us the resource for it. The only real question, does next represent the good works we're meant to walk in as a community? Now, I'm biased, but I think so. And I'll give you three reasons for that. Um, one is that we give ourselves to God's word. We, we as, as elders, we give ourselves to God's word. And this is what God's word does. God's word renews our mind. So as you and we as a community, as we give ourselves to God's word, it, God's word it says it's renewing our mind day by day. We have a bent, we have a mindset. And so, we're, so when we, and so God's word is helping us to discern, it says in Romans 12, to discern the will of the Lord. And so as we give ourselves to the word as elders, but really as a community, we're able to discern what God has for us. And so we're, it's not a human understanding, but also we see that in God's word, the, all the things that we're, giving us to, that we're giving ourselves to is stuff that the Bible actually commands anyway. Like we don't need some mysterious, you know, sign in the cloud like to feed orphans. The Bible says to do that. Doesn't, we don't need a word from God to go plant churches. The Bible says to do that. We don't need a word from God to build a church. He says to do that, but specifically, he's calling us to do this. Secondly, we're giving ourselves to prayer. We've been praying for this diligently as elders and as a church for years. It feels more right today than when we first, you know, stumbled out, hey, I think this is what God might be doing. Finally, we trust in the sovereignty of God, especially as it relates to the building, meaning that we trust. We're not, we're not open door people, meaning like if there's an open door, we walk into it. But what we're, what we're seeing is God leading us into this. So when we prayed, you, for those who've been around, we, we tried to get another building and God closed the door and we felt in our spirit that was the sovereignty of God saying no to us. And as we walked into this piece of property, we have felt the sovereignty of God leading us into that. And so actually we got a no from Sunset Hills too, but we felt like this wasn't meant to be a no, we're, we're meant to press. He, he didn't say you're going to get this building. He just said, I want you to press. And we, and we kept pressing. Now, that eventually led to a yes. And so we finally, 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 after months, got a yes. And then we, like, changed our mind. And we said, hey, we want to change the plan. And that was embarrassing. It was really embarrassing. It was a really embarrassing phone call to the seller. Hey, we have this idea. And, uh, and then we went before the, um, we went for the alderman. And the conclusion was it was a unanimous yes. And so we have felt in God's word, in prayer, in the sovereignty of God, this is what God would have us to do. So here's the conclusion here. 
is we feel, we know from scripture that God has, your purpose in life is to walk in the good works and corporately our purpose as a church is to walk in those good works together. He's given us the authority. He's given us the resource. We feel very confident this is what God's leading us into. And it's, it's up to us to respond to that. So what I want you to do, if you could do this, and everyone could do this, there's a little card in your bulletin. It's called a commitment card. It says next. And we just do that real quick. Maybe get some Jeopardy music playing. Um, On the back of this, there's just an opportunity here. It says what you... Uh, today isn't today, sorry, but today is going to be next week. So what I want you to do is I want you to take this card home with you. And I just, and if you've never given uh, to next, I, I for sure want you to pray about this. If you've already given, you might still pray about it. Maybe God would have you to do more. But this is, you're making a one-year commitment. One would be maybe an upfront gift that you would give. Uh, the second part of this commitment might be a monthly amount that you may want to give, and that would represent a total uh, commitment, and then you just bring this next week. And I just want you to know that we are, if you're new to us, we are very chilled about this. We are very chill. We're not a hype people. I mean, as you can tell, I'm, you know, I'm very understated. My emotional bandwidth is like that. And so we don't, we don't get into just, but here's what we're into. We're into being bold and following what God has for us to put the, the need and the vision before you and we want to trust, we want to trust the Holy Spirit to guide you in that. We don't want to be overly directive in how that is, but we just want to invite you to do that. And if you go and pray about it and you don't really feel like God's leading you to do that, we, we would take that as, like, okay, well then maybe what we're doing right now is what we need to do. And we'll go build, that. we'll do what we're doing. It, God's moving in that already, and so we're fine. But we, we want you to know that we... That this is your opportunity. This is one of the ways that you individually can step into what we're doing corporately. And some of you have no maybe affinity toward Jubilee Church. Again, you may be new, and that's why you haven't uh, been a part of this yet. Um, a little bit about our history. In 1997, 22 adults uh, sacrificed to buy a $300,000 building. Um, that very few in this room paid for, but it paved the way for many people to come to know the Lord and save and add into the church. And then that rolled into uh, about 2004, 2005, about 150 people raised $1.7 million to build a building, not for themselves, but for future generations. And dozens and hundreds came to know the Lord and they benefited from the sacrifice before. And now you, we all have this opportunity not to do something for ourselves, but to do something for the future, to do something for like those who came up on the stage earlier, the youth. We're not doing this for us. The 22 adults who sacrificed tremendously did that. They didn't do that for them. The next group didn't do that for them. And we're not doing this for us. We're doing this because we want to respond to what the Holy Spirit would speak in our heart about the good works he has for us as a community. And we want to do it for future generations.